stay there. You know what? I believe that every single person on this planet can make a difference. And I believe that we all have something to offer, something that's so unique that it will change somebody else's life. I believe we all deserve to step into our true selves. And I believe that every single person needs to feel great about themselves. I want you to step into who you truly are and I want you to make a difference for somebody else and for yourself. And I don't think it's that hard. It's a matter of putting one step in front of the other and just taking action. And I'm interviewing guests that have done just that. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where you can make that decision to make your life count. It all starts with you saying yes. Howdy and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. I hope you've had a fabulous week. This week I'm chatting with David C. Lee about PTSD. Now his story is absolutely amazing and deep and um, he's you know really working hard to support other people with PTSD and, and to coach them and to you know move past their fears and and doubts and he's a coach an author entrepreneur and a speaker who's honed his skills as an operator motivator mentor and coach over 30 years in business police military and paramilitary organizations he's no stranger to adversity and his comeback story is, truly is inspirational. He lost one of his closest friends and work colleagues in a firefight during his service and also lost a couple of other friends in the same way. He was decorated on several occasions during his service, but in 2010 was diagnosed with chronic post-traumatic stress disorder due to the cumulative trauma from his service. He is now um, supporting other people and, you know, sharing his now written books and he's got a podcast and he's sharing all the things that, you know, strategies that have worked for him and, and helping other people to, you know, start to rebuild their lives again like he's had to do. And it's, it's such an interesting story. And I, I don't think I can do it any more justice talking about it. So I think let's just hear from David and welcome, David. Thank you so much. I'm so pleased to be here. We're looking forward to our chat. Uh, me too, because I, you know, it's, um, well, I don't know. I don't even know where to start. It's so intense and it's so, and I don't want this to be an intense podcast. You know, let's, let's talk about the great stuff as well. But, you know, to, to, you've been through some amazing stuff. And, and when I say amazing, not in a good way, but I often think that these um, things we go through that are, cause a lot of adversity, I often think they build us up to be better people. But um, by geez, it's a, it's a hard, hard thing moving through the shit, you know, to get out the other side. But, um, you know, I, we'll dig really deep into your um, PTSD and how that happened and how you've come out the other sure. side. You're helping so many other people. And we need Absolutely. people. God, we need people like you on this planet, I'll tell you. Thank you. Thank you. I just, I just do what I do. <laughs> if I can help people and, and get the word out there, then fantastic. If I can inspire just one person to um, overcome, then that's, that's, I've done my job. <laughs> Yeah, you yeah. you're such a you're such an Aussie saying that you know. Oh yeah, nah, nah. It's just <laughs> I'm not really doing anything special, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I love it. But take us back because you know you you were a businessman, but you were also in the police force for a long, long time. And yep. um, what like 
tell us about that. Like, why did you why did you decide to do these tough jobs? Because it takes a bit to say, "Oh, I'm going to be a cop, and then I'm going to go to the military." And you you know, like, what sort of upbringing yeah, did you have to inspire that? I think a lot of it. Uh, in what we do in life comes from our background, our upbringing. Uh, my father was ex-military. His, his dream was to become a cop. My grandfather was military. So from the very first day that I could remember, or, you know, all those years ago, that it was very military and honour kind of um, centric. So it was just like a natural progression, I think, for me to, to go in. And my father was really proud. He, he wanted to kick on, but he, uh, he didn't get in, didn't pass all the exams and, and all the rest of it, the height to weight and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I, I kind of went through it. And um, looking back, I may have lived um, my grandfather and father's life to some extent through me. Um, yeah, I, and I thought, yeah, I'll do it. And when I got into it, I was... It's like self-doubt, Karen. Everyone has this self-doubt. I can remember distinctly driving up to the uh, to the police academy and I thought to myself, am I, am I going to be strong enough? Am I going to be smart enough? And am I going to be tough enough? And I kind of, you know, I did really well, well through all the tests and, and the physical tests and things like that. But I still had that doubt, which was, uh, you know, no matter who we are, we always have that doubt what, can I get through this? Will I be able to do this? Will I be able to do that? Where will I have trouble? And I kind of like, you know, breeze through it really, but I still had that doubt, which is, yeah, really interesting. So I uh, joined there. Then I decided to, uh, I was in uniform for a short time. Then I went to detectives. Then I went to covert operations and spent most of my time in, in covert operations. Um, it was kind of like being a cop without being a cop as well. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I spent a lot of time in there. Uh, then joined the uh, joined the military for a while, um, which was the commandos. Um, had a few injuries, so I didn't spend too much time in there. Then I left the police. Um, then I, because of that training and because of what I was uh, I was good at, I went into um, private security, and it was the private security of, of high risk stuff. So I was I was working with. Uh, with celebrities, I was working with uh, high net worth people, um, looking after them, doing a lot of overseas stuff. So it was like a continuation of that, but it kind of piqued my interest in in business because I saw all these people that were living a, a relatively good life, uh, and their mindset was not totally different, but it was very much uh, different from what I'd been used to. I'd been used to people being motivated and. Uh, wanted to get the job done, but in a different field, you know. Mm. So I think those two things really uh, mesh together. Uh, so then I decided to go back into the go back into the police. Uh, I then started to lose my confidence for some reason. I couldn't understand why. Then I started getting um, nightmares. I started getting anxiety. I started getting stress, uh, panic attacks, and I thought, what's what's going on here? But in those sort of um, organisations where everyone is, you know, 10 foot tall and bulletproof and looking at some of the stuff that I'd done prior to this, I thought, wake up to yourself. This is, this is silly. I mean, there was one particular um, situation where we got into a firefight and there were rounds flying everywhere. And at the end of it, I just thought to myself, oh, look at this. My, my hand is dead set straight. I've got no feelings whatsoever. I'm, I'm not stressed. I'm not scared. Like, how good am I? That is fantastic. Mm. But as I um, 
as I basically had had my, my my issue and then went through all the rehab of it, I realized that what that was doing was I was totally disassociating from it. I was, and once I learned that, I kind of, yeah, I understood that, yeah, I was so, my emotions couldn't um, uh, work through it because it was just so much on top of everything else. They kind of speak that, the average person has a gauge, you know, and, and throughout that day, that gauge, it might go up to four or five, a uh, really stressful day, a seven. Then that day finishes and it goes back to zero. Mm. We're with people that um, have anxiety and, uh, you know, PTSD. That gauge goes to nine and comes back to seven. So mm. they're always at that really high point. And then one day I just um, basically collapsed on the floor, um, sobbing. And yeah, kind of picked myself up and tried to get back into it. Um, I was, I was, I would be out at a restaurant with my wife, and all of a sudden, just have a giant anxiety attack, and end up locking myself in the in the bathroom. Uh, so then, I thought something was wrong here, and I just went into more and more and more of a decline. My wife was getting more and more worried about me. In fact, she used to um, come home of a. I was off sick because I obviously couldn't work. She would come home with the kids. Uh, go into the driveway, honk on the uh, on the horn, and that was for my sign to come out. And that was or open the door, and that was kind of a little ritual we did because she said that if I honk and you don't come out, I'm not letting the kids in. I'm yeah. going to go in myself. So yeah, so I kind of got to that um, that kind of that was that bad. I, I basically didn't leave my house for probably three months. Uh, any little noise, anything would just trigger me. Um, got referred to a, a doctor who specialised in PTSD. And what I did, Karen, was I did exactly what he said. Uh, a lot of people with uh, mental illness and PTSD, anxiety and all those uh, associated things, they will hit the alcohol, hit drugs to try and self-medicate, try and get out of their, out of themselves. I did it to start with. But then my doctor said, David, what I don't want is I don't want you to come through this as, as much as you can. And then you're at a certain level, whatever level that's going to be. And then we've got all these other issues that we're going to have to address. I yeah. want you to stop doing it, uh, which I did. And then I started getting back into training. I started, uh, as I said, doing everything that, that he said and basically rebuilt myself. I'd always been uh, involved in, uh, motivation, self-development. I've read all the books, been doing it since I was 20, you know, and I used all that for, for the specialist of what I did in, in, in my occupation. So as a natural progression, when I decided to really hone down and say, look, I want to build myself up to be the best person I possibly can. I don't want to be the type of person that, you know, you see walking down the road and you think that poor, that poor man, that poor woman, you know, head down, shoulders slumped. I wanted to have the best life I, I possibly could. So I did that and I've done that, but it's not, it's not over. Yeah. <laughs> I still have heaps and heaps of triggers in life that I know that I'm going to be triggered by something. I won't look at it. I won't hear it. Um, basically, I don't look at the news. I don't read newspapers because little things can, can trigger. Um, I had a, a particularly um, uh, nasty incident where I was involved in an investigation where there was um, about 14 or 15 people killed. And they didn't have the facilities at the morgue to transport them all. 
So they transported them in a refrigerated truck. <laughs> and because it was a big truck, they couldn't back the truck into the receiving dock at the morgue and, you know, respectfully take all the bodies off. They had to kind of put them halfway in the driveway and we had to basically go for um, probably two, 300 metres with the bodies and wheel them along. And that really affected me. Mm-hmm. And the smell really affected me. Anyway, I was, it's probably about two or three years now. now but we're driving down the highway. I saw a refrigerator truck in front of us and bang, that was enough mm. to trigger me. Mm. So you can't really you can't really say, you know, what is going to trigger you because it was something so foreign to what I had experienced, but bang, it just triggered me. So, but, but still yeah. so associated, though. There's still that association, isn't there, that, you know? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it doesn't make sense a lot of the time, the, the, the association. Um it can be a, a particular suburb. It can be a particular um, piece of equipment. And, yeah, it will trigger you. Uh, so the idea, it's, it's like fear, you know, people don't, people always have fear. Fear doesn't go. But you've just got to learn to, to control it and then move forward with it. And that's kind of the way I look at it with the PTSD as well. It's a matter of I've got it. Um, it's never going to go away but it's up to me to control it the best I can and make sure that I don't expose myself to triggers. Yeah. Uh, God, it's hard though. Were you in the military before you joined the police or, or was no, it? No, in between. Other, oh, in between. Okay. Yeah, in between. In oh, so between. when you said you were, yeah, okay. So, and you did, um, you were also a paratrooper or para, you were uh, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the paramilitary is when I went into um, security, and that the high insecurity, um, most of the guys, well, not most of the guys, all of the guys and girls were either ex-tactical um, police or ex-military uh, mm. um, because of the, the the stuff that we were doing. So yeah, that was that was uh, that was interesting. You met, <laughs> I met a lot of very interesting people. At times, it was like the Wild West, um, <laughs> but <laughs> but at, at, yeah, at, at, at times there was. Uh, you know, Karen, I've been together with um, former Navy SEALs. I've been together with former SAS guys. I've been together with uh, a gentleman was a, a former um, uh, Belgian Special Forces. Mm. And we were all together. We are having a few drinks. And then it's just like something shifted. And all of us um, basically spoke let our souls out there were tears everywhere um there was a lot of man hugging going on and to a lot of people it was like people would look at it and go hang on these guys are uh a trained trained guys who we think that they've got this kind of um status amongst them basically crying together like babies so it doesn't matter who you are or what you are um, the PTSD can get you. And, and, you know, I've had people say to me, oh, you know, so-and-so had one incident and that was it. Well, you don't know what their background is. You don't know what their triggers are. So, yeah, you can't really say, you know, because someone has, has been to one incident that that's going to be enough. That, that That is not enough, I should say, to trigger your PTSD. Yeah. Uh, but, look, people with PTSD don't want to have it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, I, would, I would not. Yeah, I would not wish it on anybody. Yeah. Um, and because it's a silent thing, it's um, or, or a non-visual thing, you know, if someone uh, had, you know, lost an arm, lost a leg, uh, been shot up, and they were walking down the road, people would say, oh, you know, poor guy, look at that. But when you've got PTSD through your trauma exposure 
it's like, look, he's going to the movies. Yeah, he's, he or she is going to the movies, but the first time they've been out of their house at six months, they're seeing the 11 a.m. session, so they're not seeing that 8 p.m. session with a ton of people. They're with their partner. It's probably the safest way they can do it, but at least they're out there trying to get back into society. So, yeah, it's kind of like a... a, a, a it's, it's a really strange situation where people will have a look at, as I said, people look at someone who's had a physical injury and then go, oh, poor person. But when you've got a, a mental injury, it's not quite the same. People will say, oh, he or she is putting it on. I used to teach disability and I used to say the same. What would you rather, you know, because people with autism suffer this quite a lot, you know, is that people, they look, and I'll say the word normal, but I don't mean that, you know, they just look like mm, anything else. And so, so, um, people have higher expectations of them. So when they have a meltdown, it's kind of like, well, I didn't expect that from that person, you know, but if you've, if you've got Down syndrome on your wheelchair, you know, there's all that extra empathy that's built in because, you know, it's just the right thing to do is to have the empathy or sympathy for people with disabilities, but it's the invisible ones, that, you know, that, that can really cause a lot of discrimination, a lot more discrimination. And Yeah, I know, uh, I know exactly what you mean. My, uh, my former stepson had... Um had autism and mm. i know exactly what you mean by that yeah exactly mm. what you mean by that mm. and, and and we shouldn't do that like we shouldn't judge people just by appearances do you know it's not until we really get to know someone really really have a conversation with somebody that we can you know truly know who they are and it's we're very quick, very quick to visually assess people <laughs> and decide whether we like them or not or make judgments about them Absolutely, absolutely. I think one of the things that, that or the, a gift that I'll take away from my PTSD is empathy. I now have so much more empathy for people than I, than I did before. I was, yeah, yeah you know, um, <laughs> we're all 10 foot tall, we're all bulletproof, like, get over yourself. But now I realise that, no, that's not the case. No, and we're all human. When you say you're bulletproof, like, you know, you, you everything you've described, you know, the paramilitary, the, you know, the commandos, the police, the, you know, all of that stuff, it's kind of like big bravado stuff, you know, really, oh, I'm infallible, you know, and, and that's the way I am. And, 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 you know, but you saw your best, you know, your best, one of your best mates killed in front of you and mm -hmm. lost a couple of others. What does that do? And I don't want to bring this up if it's going to be too hard for you. No, so no, only no, go no. where you can. But yeah, yeah. What does that? What does that do for this ten foot tall man? Do you know that suddenly, suddenly can't protect someone? Suddenly can't take care of someone? Suddenly has no control over a situation? You know, you're not ten foot tall anymore. Well, what does that do for your spirit? How does that? How did that affect you? Well, Karen, it was quite. Uh, it was a little bit deeper in with uh, with uh, my friend Edo, the, the guy that was killed. He actually took six months off leave without pay, and he came to me when that six months time was coming up. He and his wife uh, started a business, and he came back to me and uh, he said, "Can we have lunch?" I said, "Yeah, sure, fine." So we did, and he said, "Look, I'm really missing it." I want to come back. I said, well, look, if that's the way you feel, come back. And then probably three months later, um, he was killed. So I had to kind of grasp the fact that it wasn't my fault, but a lot of people would think, and a lot of people would have a big guilt trip about being um, 
being your fault. To tell you the truth, Karen, in, in that situation, you got on with it. It wasn't until afterwards um, that it kind of started to affect me a little bit more because when you're in that situation, uh, you're not processing it the same as what you would when you're out of it. Mm. <laughs> so I know that may sound a little yeah, bit, no, that uh, makes sense. A little bit strange, but yeah, once you're in that and, you, and you're part of the camaraderie, you're part of that, um, that spirit, if, if you wish, um, you kind of say, okay, well, that's really sad. That's happened. And it was, it was terrible. I mean, I was at the funeral and basically for crying for two hours over it. All of us were, but it was kind of something you said, well, the, we knew what was going to happen when we signed um, that piece of paper. Mm. Um, these things happen, but it's kind of now you look at it and go, well, wow. Most people don't have that in their life. That's so foreign to, the, to most people. So yeah, I processed that and and had to uh, had to get through it. Um, one of the worst things that happened to me was I had a body fall on me, and it was uh, been dead for probably about five or six days, maybe seven days. Um, landed on my face. Mm. Um, I, I couldn't communicate with the rest of my team because um, I knew that if I opened my mouth, then um, you know I would have got sick. So that was one of the things that really affected me. Um, but yeah, we get over these. We don't get over these things, but we move forward on these things. So, do you think it's a combination of of all of these things that just build and build and build like a pressure cooker? And then, it, 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 was there one specific thing that just that was that was it? You know, just no. So no, no, no. I kind of looking back, I knew that I was operating on a on a high level of stress. Mm. I was doing everything that I possibly, I was always, I've always been really physical. I've always trained a lot of my life. I had that training. Um, I did suffer a, a back injury, which stopped just prior to really having my breakdown, which stopped me doing a lot of my training. And I don't know if that was a catalyst for um, my body just to go, David, I've had enough. I, yeah. We need yeah. a break here. So yeah, I don't know whether if I didn't have that back injury, whether I'd still be, um, Still would have got through it. But look, Karen, I've got to look at it as, as a gift in one way because I get to speak to people now. I get to help people. Mm. Uh, so I kind of look at it as a gift. Um, who knows what would have happened if I stayed in? Mm. Oh, I, I, I just think that we're, we're human, you know, and there's, I, I know that we can build ourselves up with strategies and that's what you're doing for people now, you know, is helping them like that. But at the same time, we, we've, got to, we've got to learn, we've We've got to find better ways to be more gentle on ourselves, you know, because we are, we're like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. That shit happens, you know, just push through it. And, and I've been very guilty of that, you know, and it's, and it's kind of eventually it's going to bloody get you, you know, it, it's going oh, to absolutely. get you. And we've got to be much better at, you know, particularly with emotional intelligence. It's just a saying, this is how I feel. And even if it's you're just saying it to yourself, acknowledging it, you know, and getting those, those emotions out on the table. But, but what, what um, you, I just want to read this out. This is a statement that you say it's in your, you know, in your, your, your stuff. Well, I, um, when you were, you, you know, you saw the uh, doctors and, Mm -hmm. Plenty of doctors said, well, he's got PTSD and, you know, and he's not coming back to work and what, what have you. But, but there was this statement, and I, I want to read it out because it's kind of like, wow, what a freaking kick in the guts. The likelihood of him returning to any form of meaningful employment 
unlikely. And sadly, his prognosis is very guarded in that he is likely to remain a man continually troubled by the aftermath of his trauma exposure for many years to come. So it's kind of, in a sense, writing you off. Do you, you know, mm-hmm. how did that impact you when you read that statement? It's, it's almost like it disassociates from you, but it's, it is you. And like, what does that do to you when you read that? Yeah, it was written. It was written for um, another, like a, a part of the organisation. So uh, I, I didn't get that at the time. I got that a little bit later, and it was like I kind of knew it. <laughs> mm. But I think when I, when I started my treatment with my doctor, he basically put in plenty of punches. Probably episode episode sorry sorry appointment number four. He says, David, you do realise that you're not going to go back to what you were. So it was kind of, I was kind of expecting it anyway. I, I didn't know what my level was going to be. And that's the thing as well, you know, because, you know, um, Jill and Jack has PTSD and they remain um, locked in the house. There's no difference between them and me, you know what I mean? Because everyone's on a different level. Mm. Probably the difference is that I kind of chose to, um do what I possibly could to build myself back, as in stop the drinking, stop the drugs and all the rest of it. Yeah. So I kind of knew it was coming. I knew it was going to be. But really what I thought when I read that was I thought, F that. Yeah, good. Okay. And I know what the F everyone's thinking. It wasn't that. It was fear that. I kind of had so much fear that my wife was going to be virtually shallow for however many years I had left on, on the earth. So I thought, no, you know, that's kind of like throw a challenge at me and I will uh, challenge that challenge. So, yeah. And who, who knows, Karen, really, I don't know where I would have been, how I would have been. Um, yeah. I mean, people look at me now and they, they say, oh, David, you speak on stage, the average person. Uh, it's one of the most frightening things that can happen to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, yeah. But but yeah, but there's times when I've actually gone to um, gone to a gig, and I've had I've almost had a breakdown um, in the car going there. Mm. So when I'm there, I'm kind of fine, but because yeah. that's not really a trigger. That's, that's that's like a normal thing that everyone has fear for. So I've, I've moved through that. So yeah, it's it's not really a trigger, and we just do well, the best we can. Yeah, Winston Churchill used to collapse before every speech you know like, like, <laughs> no, he actually used to collapse so and public speaking yeah. a lot of people say well it's uh you, you know i'd rather die than do public speaking but yeah, yeah. I, I love it yeah give me, well, give, yeah, give yeah. Me a stage <laughs> absolutely a friend of mine he's been doing it for 42 years all around the world in front of thousands and thousands of thousands and he said to me quite recently actually um oh i'm a little bit nervous i said yeah. we, we, we're speaking in front of 100 people here, my friend. I guess, yeah, I don't know. I just get a bit nervous. <laughs> so, yeah, it happens. With I think the time where you're not nervous, um, you're going to be like, well, you don't really care. <laughs> you shouldn't be there. I mean, there's always going to be that little bit of, but not, not, not outright scared. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think too. People say that to me, you're worried. I'm like, no. Nah. Are you anxious? No. Nah. Are you nervous? Oh, well, I've got I've got a little bit of edge, and I reckon that little bit of edge and that you know that little bit of excitement and that kind of buzz that that's what makes you want to do the, the best job you can 
can do, which is exactly what you said. Yeah. If you're not if you're not nervous, don't give a shit. You know, and it's yeah, exactly. Yeah, and exactly. people people <laughs> who are there to listen to you deserve for you to give a shit. You know, they really do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. So you've been through all this and then you start rebuilding yourself. You're saying to, you know, you do what the doctor said. You take it on challenge. I know this is not going to define me. I'm going to blah, blah, blah. I'm going to make it. At some point then you've started writing books, you know, so you, you've, you've, people in your situation could be, uh, you know, well, I've been through this PTSD. I'm seeing a doctor. I've I've just got to stay in survival mode, you know, because I've just got to get through and take care of myself. But you've taken it that one step further is to, you know, how can I now take care of other people and share what I know with other people because I don't want other people to feel alone. But at, at what? So you've got the, you've got three books. So you've got positive thinking, yep. attitude of success and capture your dreams and smash your fears, which is the last one. So at what point, like, did you have that realisation that I've got a book in me? I mean, now you've got three, but, you know, there's that first (laughs) one. Like, like, I've got a book in me, or was it a a book is a great way to get to many people? Like, what, 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 what sort of triggered you to say, that's it, I'm writing a book? Yeah, I think when you're involved in something, you're involved in it. Hmm. So you don't really, um, like I've raced cars as well. And um, when I was in that, sure, every time you strap yourself in, you realise there's there's a little bit of danger there. But once you're in that organisation, once you're in that scene, you kind of take it for granted. And I took a lot of the stuff that that I did and a a lot of the learnings uh, for granted until... um, Basically, uh, uh, I've got a mentor and he, I basically approached him and said, this is my story. What do you think? He said, come, come with me, my friend. Um, and then he said, look, you, you don't hide yourself under, an, under a rock. Uh, you've got a lot to offer. You've got gifts to get out there to, to people. People can learn a lot from you. In fact, you could probably you know, save lives. Uh, I, was, I was kind of like blown away by all that. So mm. I thought, yeah, well. Let's, let's put this book together. Let's write about it. Um, I've touched a little bit on the PTSD and the journey in there, but they're basically business books uh, on how to succeed in business, what to do, how to do it, why to do it. A lot of it is mindset stuff because let's face it, Karen, you know, if people were to write down their five favorite entrepreneurs, you're going to have different sexes, you're going to have different ages, different races, different everything. But the one thing they were going to have is the mindset. Yep. You're going to have pretty much the same mindset. So I thought, well, if I can help people with mindset, which is what I do a lot now, um, how good is that? I can get the book out there and I can speak to a lot of people through my books. So that's yeah. basically how they eventuated. And yeah. Yeah. And, and books give you a stage as well. It, you know, it gives you the business card to get on a stage. And once, you, once, you, yeah. once you're doing that, you've got a lot more ears listening. And, and I agree with that saving a life. Do you know, it, it's... We, we don't know, like what we put out there, a lot, 99% of the time, we don't know how it's impacted somebody who's heard something, no. you know, and there, I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that any of us who are, you know, sharing feelings and sharing emotions, sharing stories that are deep, um, there. I, I do believe it saves lives. I absolutely do, you know, and we might not ever get to, I used to be a teacher and I've had three of my 
ex-students that were young um, say to me that 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 I saved, you know, they were thinking about um, ending it and that yeah. my care for them, you know, saved their life. And one student even said to me at the end of the year, she said, I made a decision at the start of the year. If you were a shit teacher, I was going to finish my life. <laughs> if you were a good teacher, I was going to stay. And and I and I sort of made a joke and I said, thank, thank God I'm a good teacher. But, Absolutely. But that Absolutely. Funny, that haunted me. Do you know, I thought to myself, Christ, you know, this is why we've got to put our best foot forward all the time because we don't know, we don't know who, who the hell we're impacting. And, and I love Absolutely. what you said. I love what you said before too. You said about when we do things and we're immersed in it, I say immersed, you say involved, you know, but the same thing, we're, we're so deep in it that we forget what we know. We take it for granted, you know. We do. Just recently I was talking to someone and I'm like, yeah, but, you know, that's boring stuff. Someone was saying to me, just share that, and I'm like, that's boring stuff. And everybody knows that. I don't even know what I know that's bloody special. And somebody, right. somebody, right. It's true. And somebody gave me a kick yeah. in the front and said, for Christ's sake, Karen, you what don't you get people don't know this? Oh, and actually, and I was at a workshop running a workshop and I did something that I thought was common knowledge. I put it up on the board and I said, everyone's familiar with this. Uh, they and I turned around and almost all the room had a blank look on their face like they'd never seen this model before. And I was like, what have I missed? Did how did mm-hmm. I how, how can it be that these people don't know something that, and that really, it was about that same time someone gave me a kick in the ass and, and said, you can't just assume because you've been on this planet for a long time as you and others drawing all this information experience. But So um, what can people expect when they read your books? I know you first said, and you said that it was business and mindset. That, that was for the yep. first. Is that the first two? And the second one seems to, the third one seems to be different to me. It's got a different energy about it. Capture your dreams and smash your fears. Am I yep, right? Yep. I, yeah, yeah. I kind of wrote that one during um, the lockdowns. Um, I thought, well, here we are. <laughs> We're locked in our, in, our, in our apartments, our houses for, for however long. So I decided to, uh, to jump into that one. And that one is just um, a whole heap of stories and a whole heap of um, uh illustrations on how things happen how people react to them and the way that you can uh, work through them mm. so it's kind of like a, a how-to book of, of of life of business it's still got that business part of it in there but yeah there's a lot of uh, a lot of quotes in there a lot of stories of, uh, of myself and, and friends and we spoke a little bit earlier about the mindset issue and uh, there's quite a few illustrations of, of mindset where people didn't have the right mindset, moved through it, and then um, went out there and, 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 and achieved. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of like a, 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 an instruction manual on, on life and business, really. Mm. So. No, that sounds fantastic. But it's also um, the, the title of your podcast. Uh, no, no. The, uh, oh, no, it's uh, not actually. No. <laughs> I've completely <laughs> stuffed that up. But no. <laughs> right. For anyone listening, don't go and look it up because I buggered that. I buggered that right up. <laughs> um, dreamers, believers, and high achievers is yeah. the uh, is the podcast. And that again, I've kind of used that a little bit in, um, you know, people dream 
Um, people believe, and I put that believe part in there because I kind of believe that what I would be doing would get me back to the best person that I possibly could be. Yeah. And high achievers is, you know, I don't care whether someone's, you know, um, Elon Musk as far as business is concerned or whether someone has gone through absolute hell on earth and has basically rebuilt their life and they're working in the local shop you know, we're all different and everybody is great. You know, I, you know, I don't judge it. I'm sure most people don't judge someone by how much money they make, how much fame they've got, you know, and ridiculously how many um, Insta followers they've got, you know, because we don't know where people start. Mm-hmm. And there's some amazing, amazing, amazing people out there. And I really blessed to be able to speak to them, you know, almost daily. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So just basically we don't know where people start from. So don't, don't judge where they end. A hundred percent. That I, I agree with you about the podcast. I I love to speak to so many people, you know, and and, and the stories, the richness, you know, that that's mm-hmm. buried within each person. And, and and like we said before, we take that for granted. We actually don't realize that, um, you know, our story has got so many gold nuggets that that somebody else can you benefit from and it's um yeah yeah, yeah i love it. so so yeah, I, yeah. I said that incorrectly if anyone's listening so the 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 book is capture your dreams and smash <laughs> your fears and the other two books yep. positive thinking attitude of success now the, and the podcast is dreamers believers and high achievers so go and, go and have a listen <laughs> to that but i want um I, 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 well, hang on, I'm getting a bit confused because I've got about 10 bloody things going through my mind, but <laughs> I, what I want to ask you really is, like, you're working with a lot of organisations as well because you're doing your speaking, you know, your books, your podcasts, and, you, and you're doing a lot of mindset um, work with organisations, and you love to really dig deep, you know, rather than look at the, the surface stuff, you know, they think this is wrong, but you dig much deeper to, to really find uh, what's going on in there. Is there a theme that keeps emerging, you know, as to what's buried deeper in organisations that's, that's preventing them from flourishing? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And most of it, I think, comes back to their peers growing up, their parents growing up, and what they were exposed to growing up. I recently had a had a guy who came to me and he wanted to, wasn't 10X, he wanted to, I think his dream was to 5X his business. His business was doing really, really well. And he had um, already had another coach that he kind of dealt with and went, oh, okay. He got put on to me. I spoke with him on the, on the phone for about an hour. And I just asked, kept on asking these questions, these questions, these questions, these questions. And it was all about his childhood. And uh, I basically discovered that it was um, his mum and dad saying um, rich people are bad, uh, people who make money only make money by ripping people off, uh, all that sort of stuff. And that was actually a holding him back in his business to, uh, to build it. So within, and he actually said to me, um, David, you've, you've, I've had more of a breakthrough in this one hour than I had with three months with the other guy. Mm. And I'm not saying anything that I'm, that I'm better or whatever, but I just think I asked the right questions. And I think I asked the right questions because I've been there. I've yeah. been there with my PTSD. I've been there with, with my past. So yeah, it's basically the fear of um, putting yourself out there, the fear of what your friends, your family will say and your upbringing. So powerful. So, so powerful. It will hold people back. I mean, you know, rich people are bad. Mm. Money's bad. This yeah. is bad. 
they only think of themselves. In my experience, I found that most people that are doing you know, fairly well in life give back a lot. Mm. They give back in their time. They give back in money. Um, yeah, that's just what I have found. I'm not sure whether the people I'm working with and the people I associate are in that space and there's other people without that, you know, out of that area that, you know, hold their money and, and are selfish with their time and money. But I found that most people are fairly open and, and willing to help anybody. I am totally amazed by how many um, high achievers out there, if you give them a phone call, you give them a contact, they're willing to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. The average person just goes, well, who am I to contact so-and-so? Who am I to send them an email? Sure, you know, these people are really busy, but have a go. If you don't have a go, you're not going to get anywhere. So take yeah. that shot and look for a mentor, look for someone who can help you out with it because life is too big for us to learn by experience and no one's going to learn by our own experience. So, heck, let's learn by other people's experience. Yeah. So that's the common theme is that mindset and, and their background and, and what they were exposed to growing up. Inherited beliefs about, yeah, it's a, I've had to push through that too. And my, my parents are great parents, but when, and I shouldn't say but, there's no, like they are great parents. When we were growing up, they did say things. Um, money doesn't grow on trees. They never said anything bad. They never said anything bad about rich people. But it was like money doesn't grow on trees. We can't afford it this week. You know, if, if we, we can't afford to go on holidays, if we had the money. And, and there was a lot of that kind of talk. And and we weren't that wealthy. Do, you know, we, we weren't well off. But I, I think I, plus also there was that stupid um nursery rhyme thing you know monday's child is full of face sunday's child tuesday's child full of grace i can't remember the bloody thing but i was a <laughs> i was born on saturday now, i used to know it okay. so anyway, I used to know. and saturday's <laughs> child works hard for a living and so you know like every time a kid was born you know my mom or whatever would just happily rant off this bloody this this okay. this, this thing and i'd be like oh monday's oh they're, they're, they're full of face they're nicer than me do you know so you'd have all these comparisons and, and me being a saturday's child oh damn it I, from from a young age i was set up to believe not not directly or not you know no one willingly set this up it was my thoughts um that the only way I'm ever gonna I'm gonna work my ass off for the rest of my life because I was born on a Saturday. It takes a <laughs> lot. It takes a hell of a lot to to it does budge that stuff and oh yeah yeah even even when you know it's a crock of shit it still <laughs> yeah. it still sits in there and <laughs> yeah 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 well I mean. We're exposed to it from the time we're like zero to the time yeah. that whatever time we leave home. Um, so it's a, it's a lot of time for that to be reinforced, 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 reinforced. Um, yeah, sure, we've got neuroplasticity. We can, um, you know, lay new, lay down new uh, pathways, but it's really strong. It's a really strong rope. It's really strongly rooted to you. Yeah. Um, it really is. And, and you know, I, I, I'm not saying for any minute that our parents and, and our relatives and our friends have gone, let's get little Johnny and stuff <laughs> him up for the rest of his life. They don't know, you know, they don't know. It, and they're exposed to it. So it's just it's passed down, passed down, passed down. Because look, no one is, a little baby doesn't come out um, on their very first day of the born with, with, with a mindset. They have to learn that mindset. And where do they learn it from? Their friends, family and peers. 
Hmm. Yeah, and I also believe we hear a lot in utero too. You know that that forms our forms our mm. uh, things. So yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely. I, you know, we could go on about this for hours, and hours, and hours because bloody hell, it is such a deep, in deeply entrenched issue. You know, and and it's and it's bloody hard to budge mindset. But I I, I always think you know if we can just if we can just move the needle that's in the right direction just slightly each day just 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 keep nudging it keep nudging it you know it, it eventually gets some momentum but it, it's a tough gig because we're going against everything we've always always done but now yeah exactly exactly I've loved this absolutely loved it I, I'm gonna, you know get off the bench I want people to you know just Get off that bloody bench. And, and I'm not saying it like people are lazy or, you know, but we, we've got one bloody life. It's short. You know, you've you've seen that. And it's um, we don't know how long we've got. And we and we 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 don't want to live a life that's full of inherited beliefs and feeling shit about ourselves and and all that sort of stuff. So I want people to get off the bench and just bloody throw themselves at life and, and just give it the best bloody shot. Now there's gonna be people. Absolutely. With, PTSD, you know, and I, I, I don't believe. No, I can't say that. I'm not. I, I'm. It's not coming to mind. Anyone that I've had with such a strong story of PTSD, but I, I bet there has been someone else. What? There's going to be a lot of people with PTSD that are blocked and, and held back and sitting there and um, well, paralyzed essentially. You know, and and thinking that. Um, and they might be trapped in their house because of triggers and that sort of stuff. But I, I don't believe that. Yeah, just because your house has got walls around it doesn't mean you can't do stuff. You can still write a book. You can still, you know, mm-hmm. coach people on Zoom. You can still, there are still things that you can do. What's your best tip to help people with PTSD to start believing in themselves again so that they can regain something about their beautiful self? Interesting, interesting. I remember... We had a, I had a session. I had a session with a psychiatrist and a psychologist. And I forget exactly what it's called at the moment, but uh, they take you back to um, the events. Anyway, <laughs> these two took me back to the events and I, I totally blacked out as to how long I was there for. But they've said stop. And I said, kind of say stop we don't want to do this we can't do this we've had enough um we don't want to know anymore and i just like thought to myself am i really that stuffed up (laughs) um i think what it is is to take those those baby steps you know um you can't if you if you if you in your house and you can't get out don't go to the football on Saturday night to watch um, Richmond and the Swans with 85,000 people. Do it do it in small little increments. Do what your, um, what your doctor's doing, but also have a look at some of the other things that are out there. Um, I was blessed because my doctor had um, a set of um, cerebral exercises that had to do with balance. And I did those. Mm. And I think that was really good in, in bringing myself forward as well. He couldn't get funding for it because, heck, it's not a, it's not a drug. Yeah. No one's going to make money out of it. Yeah. So it wasn't really um, supported that much. But, yeah, I just think it's believe in yourself and be kind to yourself. Mm. That's something really, really, really crucial is yeah. be kind to yourself. That it's not your fault what's happened to you. Uh, whether it was a, a one incident or whether it was over a set of years, 
It's not your fault. You didn't cause it. You didn't cause the other person to act the way they acted or you didn't, um, the, 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 what you saw, whether you're, whether you're in, you know, uh, emergency services or military or, um, it's a natural reaction. Humans aren't designed to see death, catastrophe, um, severed limbs, all that sort of stuff all the time. So just be gentle with yourself. Um, do the best you can to get off the alcohol and the drugs. That's not going to help. That doesn't help anybody. You change your state for a short time, but in the long run, it's, it's not going to be beneficial for you. So yeah, baby steps, work through it, be kind to yourself and also communicate with other people. Mm, yeah. Love it. Yeah. 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 Obviously there's the, the medical side of it as well with what your doctors, you know, um, describing for you and, and teaching you. So yeah, just, just follow what they say, follow what they do. It's like if you know if you go to a personal trainer and the personal trainer says do this, this, and this, you'll do it. Um, so there's no difference with your PTSD journey. Do what yeah. you're told and then work through it all. Uh, yeah. Because there's there's a, there's better days ahead. Uh, and no one guarantees that you're gonna be pre-PTSD or pre-anxiety, but heck, give it your best shot. Give it your mm. best shot. And I know it's hard. I've been down the depths of despair of being down in depression or being suicidal the whole lot but there is light at the end of the tunnel keep moving mm. forward tiny steps yep and just know although you don't know but that you are a very valuable valuable soul valuable human being we don't know it when we're in those states but um I, I wish people right. could see it. But David, I love what yep. you're doing um, to help people. And it's just, you know, thank you for sharing your journey because it's often these things are things that we won't talk about, you know, because of shame mm -hmm. and pride and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And we, we, we keep mm -hmm. that stuff. We, it's a feeling of weakness. I'm not going to share it in case people think I'm weak. But yeah, um, yeah. We, we need more people to share because we need people to feel um you know that someone else gets them and they're not alone and that kind of stuff so I, I love what you're doing and I would love people to um you know follow you and 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 book you for you know book you for work and coaching and whatever whatever they want to reach out to you for you know because I just think you yeah always always here genuine always here. soul yeah, yeah beautiful soul so where can people where can people find you uh, I've got my um, socials, which is Instagram and Facebook, which is David C. Lee uh, official. So it's David C. Lee official. Uh, I've got the podcast, Dreamers, Believers, High Achievers. Uh, website is davidclee.com. And, of course, I've got the books that are available on, uh, on Amazon. Um, that's basically, yeah. So yeah, hit me up on any of those. Happy to chat with you. Happy to work through, do what I can for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's, it's, it's been a pleasure, a pleasure, a pleasure. And like I said at the beginning of it, if if we can reach out and help people, yep. how fantastic is that? Yep. That's what we're put on this earth for, I reckon, is to just absolutely. You know. I, I've 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 served in a in a different way all my life, and now I'm serving in a different way now. But I tell you what, this really, really, really gets me going. I love what I'm doing now. It's yeah. so so special yeah mm. I, I agree yeah well thank you so much for joining us i'm going to put all those links in the show notes and i i hope people do reach out wonderful thank you so much thank you so much for having me on
Oh, my pleasure. It's been wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're just beautiful. So um, we'll stay in touch. So thanks so much, David. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. See ya. Take care now. Bye, everyone. Ta-da. Bye. Oh, guys, how did you like that? I don't know if like's the right word, but that's um, I don't even know where to start. To be honest, like what a what a what a life, and I I don't think David's the only one. I think there's a lot of people out there that have um, really experienced uh, things that like like they've said that the human humans are not designed to see, and uh, you know I think particularly emergency service workers and. Um, you know, our medical staff in emergency, in the emergency department, in hospitals and um, police and stuff like that. I just, I think that we have to be a lot more gentle on the people around us, you know, and we have to, as we said, when people appear to be normal, and I hate that word, you know, just that you can't, that the, the, I'll call it a disability, but that's probably still not the right word, but, but that it's invisible and that we don't see it. And I think we, we've got to learn to be a lot more, uh, gentle on people and I'm, I'm gonna say it again we've got to love people and we've got to really extend kindness where we can and I, I, I really love that story and I, I think he gives a lot of hope to people that do have PTSD and that you know feeling like they I don't know that maybe they're, they're stuck at home and you know maybe there are ways for people to I don't know to start to rebuild but also to, to feel like their their life is valuable and that they can contribute to others rather than feel like a shell at home so I, I hope this this episode's even helped one person or one person who does have PTSD or even um, somebody who knows somebody and that you know it might be a help in that way and you can also reach out to David as well and and get some support from him so um, hope you've loved it. I know it's a, it's a heavy topic but I, I, I like to I like to do these interviews and I like to uh, show that despite going through some shit in your life you know there is there's always a way out and it's just sometimes we've got to dig a bit deeper to find that way so anyway so I might leave it there and thank you for joining me again this week and I will see you next week see ya thanks for joining me as always I hope this episode inspired you if you know somebody who's taken courageous action to create something that's making a difference for other people let me know about it Go to my website, karenvaughan.com, tinker around there, have a bit of a look and send me a message. I can't wait to hear from you. And remember, you're worth it. Your unique talents and gifts need to be out in this world. And I'm so passionate about inspiring you to achieve that. So you've listened to this episode. Just say yes, make the decision and put one foot in front of the other. See you next week.